Welcome, welcome, welcome to On Democracy with F.P. Wellman. I am Fred Wellman, your host. This is another great show. I say that every week. Every week it's a great show. I have a terrific guest. I think it's going to be a really fascinating discussion. Uh, as you guys know, I live in Missouri, a red state, very deeply red state. And I talk about a lot on how the red states are the laboratories of autocracy. Our, our friend David uh, Pepper was on the show not a month ago, talked about that. He has, I think he's got a book name that, you know, the laboratories of autocracy are these red states, these GOP. And I couldn't find a better guest to discuss that, who also has me running for governor, which is really freaking cool. So before I get to her, I think we got a lot to talk about. Let's do some music and, and have a show. All right. Like I already said it once. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm still Fred Wellman. It's been like 30 seconds, but we're back. Uh, I, I really have been having it's a crazy news cycle. Right. I mean, I, it, it is just a crazy news cycle right now with uh, lots of ju judicial things happening and electors getting charged and Trump being a target and and you just name it. And, and then I got something to talk about up in Congress afterwards. But, you know, I've been reading a slew of analysis in the 2022 election with a pretty wide range of conclusions, depending on your read from from, oh, my God, both parties rely on older voters. The, the youth didn't save us. Uh, it really wasn't a record turnout. Oh, actually, it was a record turnout. And by the way, we still need swing voter. I mean, it, it, you know, data, you know, you can do anything you want with data and everybody's doing something they want with the data. But the Washington Post came out with an interesting piece today from a Democratic strategist named Celinda Lake. She was a pollster for the Biden campaign, and she did a really interesting piece late today, uh, being Wednesday, about the growth of Generation Z, Gen Z, in the electorate. And she has some really fascinating numbers. Like she tells us that every year, about four million Americans turn 18 right now and gain the right to vote. And the 18, the eight years between 2016 and 2024, that would be 32 million new eligible voters who just turned 18 since Donald Trump last had an election in 2016 or his first election in 2016. That's a big change. But what's really interesting is that at the same time every year, two and a half million older Americans die. So in the same eight years, that's as many as 12, 20 million fewer older voters, which means between Trump's election in 2016 and the 2024 elections coming up, the number of Gen Z's uh, voters will have advanced by a net 52 million against older people. That's a big number. That's about 20% of the total 2020 eligible electorate of 258 million Americans. So it's a growing generation. And these younger, these younger voters are turning out. Comparing the four federal elections since 2015, which is when the first time that Gen Zers could vote was 2015 and on, um, with the preceding nine in, in the Trump and post-Trump years, it's been a 25% higher turnout than older generations the same age before Trump. In other words, compared to older generations as they matured, this generation, Gen Z, is coming out much higher. 8% higher in presidential years and 48% higher in midterms than previous generations. Some interesting charts. If you're watching the show, you can see the charts. Matt will throw them up for you. Um, but similarly, though, it's not as drastic. There's been a 7% increase in voter registration among under 30 voters uh, since Gen Z entered the election. In other words, we're seeing more younger voters coming out, right? And, and that matters. It matters a lot because uh, it's a shifting dynamic. Look, both parties still have a plus 50 electorate. Both parties. It's not, it's, it's, if you think otherwise, you're delusional. But it does make them important. They're not a deciding factor yet, but they're coming. And parties need to understand how to talk to this younger generation, how to talk where they are, 
and the issues that they care about. So I just found this whole thing fascinating, and it matters more and more as we look at the electorate, we, we go larger statewide elections and, and presidential elections, which is why it's a great time to have an actual candidate for statewide offices for governor, and that is my friend Crystal Quaid. Representative Quaid, welcome to the show. <laughs> she represents- Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you. She represents Missouri State House District 132, beautiful Green County, been there a couple of times. I've had the pleasure to go to Springfield. Um, she has served as the Democratic floor, floor leader for six years now, right? I mean, since the day she entered office, she volunteered. This is a great story we should get to. How a freshman representative ended up being the floor leader of the, the caucus, which is pretty remarkable. Now she's a candidate for governor, uh, which is really a great story. Um, first member of her family, graduated from high school, went on to earn a social work degree at Missouri State University, has done great things. Crystal, man, I'm so glad to have you on the show. So you're, 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 you're our second Second, right, Matt? Second repeat customer? Yep, your second re- <laughs> You know, welcome back. Uh, Greg Sargent for the Washington Post. Uh, uh, Crystal was on the old call-in show, and it was a complete train wreck because that, that app sucks. So welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm so pumped to be here. And this is a great setup now. Thank you. You like it? Right. Much better. Yeah. You, you know, you don't have to sit on the other side of the road talking to your phone. You know, you just had your kickoff last night, you know, and and, and a lot of our listeners and, and viewers of the show are from across the country, live in blue states, right? And, and one of the things I talk about quite a bit, and I, I said in the intro is, you know, Missouri in a lot of ways and a lot of these red states, Tennessee, Iowa, others are are really a microcosm of what is going on in the Republican Party and the movement of the Republican Party towards more extremism. And I can't think of anybody who's had to witness it more than you for the last six years in Jefferson City, Missouri, uh, dealing with some of these really crazy things and, and the increasing extremism. Um, and they're testing these ideas in Missouri. And so I just want to ask up front, you know, what's some of the most, I mean, this last cycle had a lot of really draconian things that you were up against. What's some of the most extremist thing you're seeing being floated right here in Missouri. Yeah, you know, it's it's been really interesting. I, I've been there for seven years, and each year it yep. truly has gotten more extreme and more ridiculous, frankly. Um, to narrow it down to one, you know, I would have to say watching a state senator say that um, 12-year-olds should be allowed to be married off by their parents legally, um, that was the fight this year. Um, you know, we had a, a movement within the Republican Party to completely defund all of our public libraries in the state, which was wild, um, you know, there's just there's been so many, Fred. Yeah. And, and and these are all part of the larger battles they're fighting nationally, right? With Moss relieving these others with the book bans, with the the transgender hate the, and all these different those are and they're and they're coming into you seeing these real extremists who are running unopposed, right? A lot of them, you know, one of the reasons so the reason I, I of course know of course the reason I've we got to know each other is I was told, hey, when you gotta meet her when I moved here. <laughs> they gotta meet Crystal Wade. And then I was very impressed from the first time we sat down with your very clear eyed understanding that the way to take back Missouri and take back the House of Delegates and House of Representatives was running people everywhere. Uh, tell me a lot, tell mm-hmm. our folks, you talk about that a lot here in the show. I'm involved with Forgotten Democrats. My friend Jess Piper's got Blue Missouri, which is helpfully helping you. Um, but you've been doing it from the beginning. And what was the, the impetus for that? And, and why do you want to see, what, what are you doing to make that happen? Yeah, so um, to your point, we have had so many folks in Missouri Republicans run unopposed uh, for far too long. Um, You know, upwards of over 60 of the 163 representatives just walk in the door. And, um, you know, that's been, in my mind, part of the one of the biggest reasons why we Democrats have lost any power in our state house is because we haven't been challenging anyone. And, you know, when you are in a small town uh, in Missouri, you might be a Democrat. You know, we have a lot of rural Democrats in our state, but you go to the ballot box and there's no Democrat to vote for, then you're going to vote for the Republican that maybe you met at the gas station or your kids play 
football together. Um, and then the next election year, you're going to vote for that guy and then maybe a, a different Republican because um, you, the first one wasn't so bad. And then before you know it, you're voting straight ticket Republican because there are no other options. And we're seeing that across the entire state. And because we don't have Democrats everywhere, um, it's impacting our statewide elections. It's impacting everything that we're doing. Yeah. And how have you addressed that? What, what, what's been your strategy? Uh, I know you've, you've been, you, so people don't know, like, what did you build? You put together a pretty good idea, campaign plan. What are you guys doing as the minority leader to fight that back? Back yeah. So um, the House Democratic Campaign Committee is the election arm for the House Democrats. Republicans have a counterpart. And of course, our senators do as well. And we really try to look at this in multi layers. Like, By the way, is- just, so you know, cats are welcome. <laughs> for those listening, <laughs> Crystal, Crystal's having a cat issue. <laughs> so don't worry about it. I just want to um, cut in there. Cats are always welcome. But go ahead. So you have the House, <laughs> the HTCC. You know, yes. Um, so so we're looking at this in in several layers. One is, as you mentioned, having folks running everywhere. But it's not just about getting Democrats to say yes to putting their name on the ballot. It's also supporting them when they do. You know, for too long in our state, folks would ask people to run and they would run in an unwinnable district, a place that we cannot win based on the current numbers. And then they would just be like, okay, thanks, bye. And then you would have these Democrats run and have no idea how to run a race and just get trampled. And a big piece of this is having folks run in unwinnable districts, giving them the tools they need to run successful campaigns and closing the margins. When I ask candidates to run in districts that are um, that are strong red, it's not just, hey, do it for this one race. It's I'm going to need you to run twice. I'm going to need you to run a four year campaign. And this is what it's going to look like. Your goalpost is not necessarily to flip that seat, but it's to move the margin up to this percentage point. And having real honest conversations with folks in these areas and then making sure that they're supported every step of the way, giving them things like websites and mail design and things that they shouldn't have to pay for themselves um, and supporting them in that way. And then, of course, going all in financially in the, in the seats that we can win, which there are several that are that are winnable districts and putting our energy behind those. And, you know, Green County, where I live, is the best example that I can give for how we've been working as the House Caucus. When I first ran, I was the only Democratic seat south of Columbia in the whole state. For folks outside Missouri, that's half of the entire state. Yeah, that's basically half. By (laughs) by Republicans, and we had my seat. And what we did, we have five seats in our county, and we put put all of our energy in, okay, we've got to hold my seat, and then what is the next winnable seat? And putting our resources there. But having candidates run in all of those seats and working as a team, but putting our volunteer energy and our door-knocking energy between the next flippable seat. We won that one. Okay, now we've got to hold these two. Now we put our energy behind the third. We won the third. Now we're going to pick up our fourth seat next election cycle. And it's really a being about, it's about being strategic in where our resources are going, but also not forgetting the places that we think we can't win. I love it. And and, and it's something I, I talk about a lot. David Pepper mentioned it doing that in Ohio. I mean, it, it, you know, it's funny when we had these conversations uh, with folks, I always talk about the ink spot strategy we used in counterinsurgency, which people is controversial. But the concept simply was, is you you take a, you, 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 you secure a place, uh, you bring in governance, you run it well, and then you grow it. Right. And you, and you connect the next course and then you grow that. And as the ink spot grows, you end up taking over 
either the whole country or in this case, trying to take our state back and make it blue again. And in many ways, I think, you, I think we had this conversation over coffee, but the first time we met was like, this is what I like. It's a, it, it really is a counterinsurgency strategy you're running uh, to, in electoral politics to try and take back places and then, and then do it. And the thing is too, I think you said it right too, is it's also about good governance afterwards, which takes us to you mm-hmm. trying to run a, a super minority. I mean, Missouri has a super minor, majority, the GOP. Uh, my understanding is it basically means you don't even have to show up, right? They can still get a, they can get <laughs> they, they can, you know, the whole, you know, running, running the caucus away to Canada is not going to work, right? Because they, they have enough people. So, so not just winning, it's also showing you can govern, right? And how have you been doing that? I, because I talked to Swalwell about it, but uh, how, what's, but what's been your strategy? Yeah, I mean, it is a great point. Missouri, our house does not have some of the same rules that other states might have. You know, we can't just hop on a plane and go away and nothing happen. They will still keep doing whatever they want to do. So for us, it's we have to be really strategic about where we're placing our energy. You know, the Republicans in Missouri are very divided, and it's almost like we have three different caucuses in our state. We've got the conservative caucus, as they call themselves, and then the regular Republicans, and then you've got the Democrats. And, you know, unfortunately, the extremists are the ones who are running the show right now. Right. And but we find ourselves as Democrats sometimes partnering up with with folks on the far right to stop a bill um, or find ourselves, you know, working with the moderates to get something passed. And it's really about paying attention to, quite frankly, who's mad at who and who's fighting with who and knowing which bear to poke when um, and being very strategic on where our votes matter because they're so divided. They can't pass anything without Democrats, hardly at all. There was one issue this year, which was the anti-trans legislation that we saw that they just pummeled through and voted exactly how they were told. But outside of that, this was actually the least amount of bills that have been passed in Missouri in my lifetime outside of COVID was this year. Um, And the bills that did pass outside of the anti-trans bills were all things that Democrats voted yes on. And if they hadn't had our votes to, to pass some of the things that we did, they would have never made it. And so it's been really interesting the past few years because that has that divide among the Republicans have gotten worse and worse. And so as Democrats, it's really great when it comes to stopping things. But I would much rather live in a state where we are not just saying no, but actually being proactive and working to help Missourians. Yeah, I'd say it's nice. and 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 what I also think what I was I hearing as you were saying that is the reminder that we can't be dogmatic in that. If you ever work with Republicans, you know, like a lot of our Republican counterparts are like that. If you if you do anything with a Democrat, if you say the word bipartisan, you're you're banned for life. You know, you're out of the, you're off the island. But what I think what I'm hearing very clear and I've seen you in action do is you're you're not that dogmatic, right? With your caucus, you allow your caucus to make the right decisions that are strategic, and you have a plan, right? I mean, and and that, I think that's paying off for you, right? Do you feel ever do you ever feel pressure from you know our party activists? Like do do you ever feel like our own party like? You know, the donor class are saying, oh, my God, what are you doing? Work the Republicans. And do you get that pressure? And how do you fight that pressure off? Um, so, yes and no. Uh, the okay. first thing I'll say is, again, looking at our numbers, we have to. If we want right. to pass policy, we have like every bill that I have written into law, I hand it over to a Republican to put their name on. That's just how it works in Missouri. And I've been able to pass a lot of good public policy, but my name isn't necessarily on it. Right. And so step one is accepting the realities of where our numbers are. Mm. Um, But to answer your question, absolutely. We get pushback from folks. Um, But what I have found is in states like Missouri, you've got to find places where you can work together. And I'll be the first to say it's super hard. I mean, the, the day that, that we, that the Republicans passed the most extreme abortion ban in the country, (laughs) 
they passed the bill and immediately went on to a, another policy discussion that Democrats wanted to vote yes on and work with the Republicans on. But we just had a two hour debate where they took my rights away, you know, and it, it is really difficult to jump from one thing to the other like that and be able to put your personal beliefs aside. And we can't always do it. I don't want to say that we're always successful at that. There are days where we just walk out of the room because it's too much. Um, but if we were to do that on everything, we would never be able to pass anything. Yeah, I think there's a lot of lessons there at the national level for the national level, right? We're seeing that in the House uh, right now. They're they're having to pick apart their battles and divide and conquer quite a bit. And but you've had some great achievements. I mean, what would you say if one of your? I mean, you've like you say, been in Jefferson for seven years. Um, what would you call some of your crowning achievements? Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is uh, fully funding Medicaid expansion um, was huge. You know, Missouri was one of the states that chose not to opt into expansion when President Obama was in office. And it got done by the initiative petition process by a vote of the people saying we want this. It's been 14 years. We're done. Do it. (laughs) And then once it was passed, the Republicans refused to fund it. Um, And so uh, we spent a few years fighting that battle and we were able to get it fully funded and have every year since then, which has been huge. And I'm so proud of that. Yep. That's a lot of health care for a lot of people. Um, yeah. and, and you've also fought off some really terrible things, right? I mean, a lot of the, the translation has been insane. Uh, it's still not good enough, but you've, you've killed a lot of really bad ideas that have come in as well, fighting it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe, Matt, that's a great place to take a pause. We'll have first uh, hear from some of our wonderful sponsors to keep this show going. And then I wanted to segue into what you're doing now. Hey, look, everyone knows how annoying cheap razors are. The cuts, the irritation, the frustration, and don't get me started on subscription razor services. The headaches they can cause if they show up on your doorstep. That's why you got to meet Henson Shaving. Henson Shaving is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that's made parts of the ISS and the Mars rover, and now they're bringing precision engineering to your shaving experience. And, and I'm an old pilot, so I love me some aerospace manufacturing, let me tell you. Now, razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more wobble. The more wobble, the more nicks, cuts, and scrapes. A bad shave isn't a blade problem. It's an extension problem. By using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes metal razors that extend just .0013 inches, which is less than the width of a hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. It gets better. The razor is built in channels to evacuate hair and cream, and makes clogging virtually impossible. So seriously, Henson Shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. The Henson razor works with standard dual-edged razor blades to give you that old-school shave, like me, with the benefits of new-school tech. So once you own a Henson razor, it's only about, I don't know, 3 to $5 per year to replace the blades. So I tell you, I don't shave often, obviously, but my first shave with the Henson razor was incredibly refreshing. The design is sleek and the durability is top notch. The Henson razor is truly so much better than your run of the mill razor. And it's the quote unquote traditional razor bland that you're used to. Now, the affordability factor is absolutely game changing. No more wasting your money in expensive blades. With Henson shaving, you can get like a year of blades for around $5. So. It's time to say no to subscriptions, say yes to a razor that's last you a lifetime. Visit HansonShaving.com slash Fred to pick the razor you for you and use code Fred and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure to add them to your cart. Right, two years of blades. So that's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G 
Fred.com slash Fred. And use code Fred when you're there. Check them out. Have you heard of senescin cells, also known as zombie cells? These old worn-out cells no longer serve a useful function for our health, wasting our energy and nutritional resources. These zombie cells tend to accumulate in our bodies as we age, leading to the aches, slow workout recoveries, and a sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling, which I might know something about. Now, our sponsor, Neurohackers, packs seven of the most science-backed senolytic agreements in one formula called Qualia Senolytic. You can take just two days a month for fast, noticeable benefits for a much better aging process. Senolytic ingredients are science-backed to support our body's natural elimination of those zombie cells. Now, my body and energy levels feel about 15 years younger after just a couple of months of adding Qualia Senolytics to my diet. I love how easy it is to take having more physical and mental energy for my family, my friends, my gardening, my walking. It's a win in how I show up for those I love and the things I love doing. My productivity has doubled. I feel invigorated, enthusiastic, with the daily drive and motivation to get things done. And let me tell you, I got a lot of things to get done. Now, the form is a non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effects of all the ingredients together. Now, it's also backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, so you have almost three months to try Qualia Analytic at no financial risk and decide for yourself. If you're in your late 20s or older like me, you know, adding Qualia Analytic to your diet can play a crucial role in combating negative aging symptoms. Now, go to neurohacker.com slash Fred for up to 50% off Qualia Analytic, and as a listener of On Democracy with Fred Wellman, use code FRED at checkout for an extra 50% off your first picture purchase now that's neurohacker.com slash fred to try qualia senolytic with code fred start aging on your terms like i have and we're back so um i I talked a little bit about your leadership for the last seven years but let's look forward i mean you just announced so i mean you're going to run for governor of a red state right (laughs) you know and and we were talking about how hard it is to govern here i mean um let's just start off the top why run you're a woman in a red state with a supermajority republican legislator um that hasn't had a statewide democrat and several years, right? I mean, I know you, you've got young kids, you've got a family, you've got a day job. You're a really nice person, <laughs> you know? Um, why are you putting yourself out there at this moment? Why, did, why choose to run at this moment? My honest answer, Fred, is that I just can't take it anymore. Um, you know, it, Jefferson City has, as we've talked about, become so extreme and every year has gotten worse and worse. And I found myself on the House floor this year when we were debating, the, the Republicans tried to make it so that any entity, nonprofit, organization, business that has a diversity, equity or inclusion line in any of their um, bylaws or mission statements would not be able to contract with the state of Missouri, Jesus. essentially making our government government just stopped functioning, right? Even the Missouri Baptist Association has a DEI line. And we were having this debate on the floor and I have my my Democratic colleagues, some of which lived through segregated Missouri, standing on the floor, talking about their own personal experiences in a very emotional and passionate way. And I remember just standing there and being like, what the hell are we doing? You know, this, this is where our state is right now. The extremes are winning. The extremes are winning the discussion. 
And folks are tired of it. I'm tired of it. My voters are tired of it. When I knock doors, Democrat or Republican, people say to me, like, what the hell is going on up there? This is this is ridiculous. And so I want to jump in to to fight back. I want to jump in to bring some like normalcy to government and to be able to talk about not these social issues that that the Republicans are just manufacturing that aren't even real, but have honest discussions about the fact that I've got folks who are working two or three jobs and still can't pay for childcare services. You know, the fact that we have um, so much foreign owned farmland in our state that we don't even know how much is owned by Missourians anymore. Um, You know, there are just so many issues that I hear about every day from folks. I mean, we've got a huge contamination problem up in the city of St. Louis right now. Um, There's so many things, but instead of talking about any of that, what we're doing is spending, you know, 14 days attacking 12 trans children in our state. People don't want us doing that. They want better from their government. Right. And it's, and that's, that really is the key. I mean, I, and I loved your ad, your kickoff ad. We'll have to, we'll have to run our ad at the end there, Matt. So I'll be sure to get that to you. But, you know, you had the roller derby in there, but, but what strikes me more about, you know, your buy and knowing you personally is you grew up each morning helping your mom in a diner. You're, you grew up at a diner before school. You're the first kid in your family to go to high school, graduate high school. And then you went on to college, got your degree. I mean, you didn't grow up with a silver spoon. I think you maybe grown up like, like maybe a tin spoon, right? I mean, how did that drive you here? How did that shape you? You're, you're, I mean, you're up again when your primary prime opponents, Jay Ashcroft, is the scion or the scion of, of you know, the you know, the senatorial, gubernatorial, you know, of the lifetime political family, like like he's like the prince of the prince of the family. But you're not. You know, you grew up in Springfield. How'd that shape yeah. us? You know, that's the reason I got involved in politics to begin with was because I wanted to help folks like my parents. You know, I'm a social worker and I went to Jefferson City during college and I remember a debate on the floor talking about low income folks. And I want to say it was about Medicaid, but I don't recall exactly what the debate was. But hearing these elected officials talk about working class folks like my parents and with such disgust and disdain for like, I mean, calling them lazy, saying things that were just so atrocious. And it was honestly, when I was a teenager, I was like, okay, this is not what people think it is. And we need to elect folks who understand what regular life is like for, for everyday Missourians. And there are, you know, you, you mentioned my story and lots of folks have been like, oh, it's so cool. You're the first in your family to graduate high school and go on. But that is not abnormal in, in our state. You know, it's not abnormal to have a parent who who's waiting tables their entire life and, and um, you know, a kiddo go into their parents work with them because there is no childcare access. You know, that's how most of my constituents live their lives and they deserve to have a government that reflects that and understands what their day-to-day life is like. Yeah. And, 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 there's not enough folks who think that way, right? There's not enough of our elected officials who remember the roots they were. I was I was actually talking to someone about Missouri Six, our congressional, or so Missouri Six. For those who don't know, is a congressional seat that's really the the top third of the state is Missouri Six. And the guy there, Sam Graves, Republican. I did some research, Crystal. Sam Graves was first elected to the state house in 1992. Six years after graduate from college, uh, and has been an elected official ever since. He's been in Congress 20 years the same representative for a district. I mean, at some point, you're no longer a man of the people when you've been in, been in <laughs> Congress, you know, for 20 years. And 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 the fun thing I love when I look at his bio is, well, a uh, small business owner, like, really, when? I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like saying I was a marathon runner. Yeah, 30 freaking years ago. <laughs> you know, but, you know, no, you're a professional congressman for 20 years now. And and that is the battle you're up against. That is who you're up against in the state here. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think... It, 
there do you see hope though right i mean we, we talked about it a little earlier we said missouri has voted for progressive issues again and again these ballot initiatives you mentioned one of them i believe about the medicaid expansion that was a that was a state similar to what ohio is doing for those who aren't familiar many states had the ability for voters to get uh to, if you get enough large enough petition you could put something on the ballot vote on it and pass it and it goes into the state constitution um and you can explain that process, but we've done that. We've won very progressive issues. I mean, marijuana was another one, right? I mean, marijuana expansion, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, we're a red state and we expanded marijuana, but then you have GOP holding all the statewide offices um, and, and very little change in dis. Where's the disconnect for you and your perspective, having been an elected representative, where's the disconnect between the people passing these, what would be progressive versus who they're electing and how do you exploit that? Yeah, um, so you are exactly right that we have seen so many progressive issues, not just Medicaid expansion or marijuana, but stopping right to work laws. Uh, so anti-union laws that, that the Republicans are trying to do. Um, stopping puppy mills was one that we've seen. You know, like the the, the citizens have used this ballot process um, for, for so many years for so many important things. Raising the minimum wage is, is the next great example. And we're hopefully going to continue to do that next fall. Um, but the disconnect is kind of two parts in my mind. Um, one our state has been extremely gerrymandered for many years. Right. And um, the citizens through an initi initiative petition process actually changed the way that our districts are drawn. Uh, for those who don't know, Missouri has been a state where the elected officials, me, <laughs> get to design what districts what our districts look like. We get to pick and choose and we vote on it, which is just wild. Um, and so the citizens actually passed an initiative called Clean Missouri several years ago that took it out of the hands of politicians and put it to an actual map maker. A demographer was the one who got to draw our lines. Well, then the Republicans decided to undo that and uh, actually brought our, our uh, map making back to uh, elected officials having the, the being able to determine that. Um, and we have a, it's a little different now where there's a partisan commission that the governor actually appoints. So our Republican governor picks the Democrats and Republicans to serve when they're drawing the House and Senate seats. And so it's a wild, complicated situation without getting in the weeds. We have been a state that is extremely gerrymandered. And so to our point of the earlier discussion, we've had so many states that both Democrat and Republican, our Democratic uh, seats in the cities are, you know, you don't see Republicans running for them and, and vice versa. And so that, that's been a huge part of the problem. The other thing I would say is to, again, to the previous point, if you don't have Democrats running and some of our smaller communities saying we're the party who wants Medicaid expansion and health care for you, we're the party that want you to have access to living wages and we're going to fight for that and have been fighting for that. We're the party that stands with workers and your ability to bargain against corporate interests. You know, we have not been present in these communities to tell them that we're actually the party who are who is fighting for them. And so that connection of, you know, we saw folks who voted against right to work, um, which is, a, which is a, a union conversation, then turn around and vote for their Republican counterparts because there were no Democrats saying, hey, don't vote for that guy because he wants right to work, right? right. You know, so it's, it's kind of, it's been a two-part problem in our state. Yeah, it makes sense. And it does go something that David said in our conversation too, is we're not present. It, it, if no one's running in those districts, if no one's, there's no democratic committee, there's no one saying, hey, hold on, you know, even, even we're gonna lose by 30, 40 points, at least we're a part of the conversation we're pointing out to people and, and losing by 30 points is better than losing by 80. 
Uh, you know, especially for Absolutely. you as you're running for governor, right? And and I had a great conversation uh, a month ago. I, I, I'd like to bring up my old guest because I learned. Look, look, I had this show so I can talk to cool people, Crystal. I think you know this already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a running joke. I just, that's why Matt laughs because, you know, I was like, uh, you know, people are watching it now. And I started just to talk to cool people like you. But a month ago, one of those cool people is a guy named John Nichols, although he was a double too. Matt. Uh, so John Nichols is on the show. He's writes for the nation in the Capitol Gazette in Wisconsin. And he went to great death on how Janet uh, Protosiewicz won her Supreme Court race against the odds, you know, in Wisconsin by going hard in rural regions of the state. So she used a, she was dropping ads on over the air radio, like the classic rock stations that people are listening to as they drive around their Ricky trucks. Um, there is a, there is a strategy. Are you thinking in those terms? And I, I, I know, I know you well enough to know there's no way you're not thinking of this already. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've already got it all mapped out and they're looking at what percentage in what county. Um, but the reality is this, you know, for a Democrat to win statewide, it is very similar to how our ballot initiatives go. Okay. Um, we've got to increase turnout in our cities. That's Kansas City, St. Louis and Springfield, where I where I live um, and Columbia as well, which is a college town in the middle of the state. Yeah. We have to register voters. We got to get them to show up. We got to increase that voter turnout. But even with that, we still have to get about three hundred and fifty thousand to four hundred thousand votes in a Missouri. Mathematically, you just have to. And so um, when we're looking at how we win statewide or how we increase minimum wage in our state, we have to be looking at the both and. And that goes back to the other conversation about having folks running everywhere. You know, one of the things that when we're recruiting House candidates or city council candidates or school board candidates, part of that discussion is, you know, you're not only moving the needle in your district, but that three or five points in a city like Joplin, Missouri is going to help get a Democratic governor. And it has to be you know, working from the bottom up and, and from the top down and all of us working together in a really coordinated way to be able to get that done. You know, and I'm, opt I'm optimistic too. We've got, you know, the, the Democratic Party there seems to be kind of re-energized again. Um, and for those who don't live here, there's a guy named Russ Carnahan as a former congressman has taken over as a chair. Um, uh, spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, there is some, there are these um, where hope springs eternal a little bit. And and when I, I heard you were going to run for governor, I was like, well, the hope does spring eternal. Because I know you well enough as a political operative to know that you're not, you don't do things that I haven't done your homework. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that, that you'll find that path and you find the team you're looking for and the enthusiasm for it. But I think, you know, I, I think we're getting close. I, I, I wanted to kind of come back, kind of circle back to the very beginning, the topic we said at the very beginning. And, you know, a lot of the folks listening to the show and watching the show, they, they don't live in red states. They're, you know, good folks all over the country. We're very blessed. We have an international audience. It's, it's wonderful. Can a lot of Canadians. Love you, Canadians. Love to Montreal. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, why should people who live in a blue state or Canada, you know, what's it, why should they care about what's happening in a state? Like, you know, why should they give money to your campaign, for example, right, to to support your efforts? You know, why should someone who lives in Washington state, a very blue state, they're very living very comfortably, you know, their vote. And I, I have people write me from there saying, I'm afraid my vote doesn't matter here because we're 80 percent. Why should they invest in Missouri? Why should they care about this wonderful movement you're trying to build? I love this question, um, and I'm going to give kind of a cheesy answer. I love to you, cheesy but I believe answers. It this is cheesy. <laughs> um, we're off, you know, we're optimists the, the here, very, Crystal. The very values that make me a Democrat are the, is the concept of everybody deserves a shot. 
no matter where they're from, no matter what barriers stand in their way, um, everyone should be able to live a happy, fulfilled life, a, a life with dignity. And those policies are what make me a Democrat. And when I look at states like Missouri, you know, the very folks that I want to fight for don't have the privilege to leave a state like Missouri. Right. You know, we talked about you know uh, highlighting Missouri passed a bunch of anti-trans, uh, two pieces of anti-trans legislation this year, and I have so many folks from the LGBT community who are who want to leave this state, and they're they're very scared for their families. And lots of women, you know, we we no longer have access to abortion in our state, even in cases of rape and incest, you cannot get an abortion in Missouri. And so I have people with daughters who are saying, you know, I'm encouraging her to go to college somewhere else instead of being here. There are so many folks who don't have the privilege to leave. And that's why I am staying and fighting for my state because I love my state, but also for the folks who don't get to leave. And so when I when I have the conversation with folks who live in Washington or or these wonderful blue states, like you should be helping states like Missouri from your place of privilege, from your state that you know you're safe in and that your kids are safe in. Think of the millions of Missourians who aren't safe, who deserve the help. They deserve it just like everybody else does. Well, I think that's uh, a perfect, per- perfect place to, you know, and you're exactly, that's the, I could have said it better myself. I think it may have been steal that, by the way, just so you know, <laughs> that's exactly it. I mean, it's exactly right. We, we the, This does impact the whole country, right? Just, just because it's far away from you, this is the laboratory for these crazy ideas. And we're not, no one's immune from it anymore. That this, this movement, if you see what happened today in Congress with the, the kind of crazy things that these folks are doing. And by the way, the today's state rep, today's city council members, tomorrow's state is tomorrow's senator tomorrow's you know well here in missouri today's ag is tomorrow's senator but that's a thing <laughs> over and over but but you know you you, you deal with that and, and and you fight that battle but the battle matters uh battle matters not just here in this state but in this, in all the states uh so well i i, I love that so the, the bottom line for everybody though is where can we find you where can folks who didn't hear about you till to now find some information about you maybe throw a couple of dollars folks well <laughs> thank you uh, so my website is just my name crystal quaid it's quade.com i'm also on uh, pretty much every social media platform uh, you know i represent a college town so i'm all over the place um and yeah we need help um where as you mentioned my opponent in the governor's race is most likely going to be uh, someone who believes he was born into this and he deserves it simply because of his last name and um it's the people's mansion and not his and i'm gonna need help taking it back well let's help her crystalquay.com crystal thanks for joining us i know you've been really busy running around you're getting this thing i think sorry i missed your kickoff event in springfield <laughs> but uh, i'm real proud to know you and proud of the work you're doing it's important work you're doing and uh i know that all the listeners the on democracy and supporters are, are behind you 100 so really good luck thank you so much fred i appreciate it my pleasure and we'll talk to you soon. Well, a great conversation with Crystal Quaid. I mean, I, I, I kind of fanboy out a little bit when I talked to her. Um, I, I just, you know, I met Crystal. I did, you know, I moved back to Missouri two years ago uh, from Virginia. And my girlfriend's like, you know, you're here now. You got to help. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and and I, that's what I do. So I started dialing up, you know, connecting dots, meeting, meeting this elected official, that elected official, who can you introduce me to? And everyone I met, probably two or three in a row, all said, hey, have you met Crystal Quaid yet? I said, no, she's minority leader, you know in Springfield. All right. So I had the opportunity to speak in, in Springfield. Um, it's kind of a funny story. Our, our previous guest, Rachel Vimman, got COVID and couldn't speak at a, a FDR women's dinner, uh, the women's organization down there. And they put me in instead. Obviously, I'm not a woman. <laughs> and uh, so that was great. And I met some wonderful folks. And I, I was down there and I met Crystal for breakfast one day after during the Democratic convening. 
And I was just so impressed. Um, you can see, you know, she's young, she's energetic, but but she's got a brilliant strategic mind. And and as an old soldier, you know, I look for that. I look for folks who can can see the dots, connect them, and have a plan. And that's what she's done. I mean, the example is perfect. We're right where she is in Springfield, where it started off with one seat. She had a Betsy Fogel. She had Stephanie. They, they, they've just carefully rolled up each seat, teaching these young um, candidates or older candidates how to run, giving them some services. It's a really great model. And that's a lot, a lot of the stuff we're doing in our Forgotten Democrats uh, movement, which I've, you've heard me mention several times, Forgotten Democrats, I'm very proud, are stolen and cribbed from Crystal Quaid. I don't tell her, I hope she doesn't watch this. <laughs> um, I steal a lot of my best ideas, but it really was the idea of doing the same thing at the congressional level nationally, which is that there's a way, there's a better way to help candidates. There's a better way to run people everywhere. And it means supporting from the bottom up. And that's what Crystal's doing. She's telling these candidates straight to their face, hey, look, I don't think you're going to win, uh, but I need you to run anyway, but I'm going to help it help you learn how to be a good candidate, can help you raise money, going to help you save money, um, but I need you to run. And and if we could do that, imagine what we could do nationally, folks. If you took Crystal's model and expanded it, we're doing it with Blue Missouri, my friend Jess Piper, we're doing it with Forgotten Downs, we're doing it with um, with Blue Ohio. The idea that we support from the bottom up, we run everywhere. Because when we don't run on opponents to these Republicans, they don't have to answer to the people. They don't have to answer the person at the big tent. They just have to answer the person that are far right. Or, or no one. I mean, some of these guys just have never had any opponents whatsoever. It's unacceptable. And, and, and it leads to where we are, where states like Missouri have basically been overrun and forgotten. Um, so uh, Matt will throw up the Forgotten Democrats. Um, you can always just text Fred to 33777 to learn more about that. We've got a great show. We've got a great Zoom coming up for the family there. But but that's what we're doing with Forgotten Democrats. And and frankly, I give a lot of credit to Crystal Quay and what she's done with the House Democratic uh, Caucus that she leads uh, here in Missouri. So I think with that, let's take another pause for our wonderful sponsors we've got this week. We just keep getting better sponsors. And then we'll be right back. Do you know your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold like I do often, I really recommend you try out Miracle Made Sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep the perfect temperature all night long. Now, that silver-infused fabric means that Miracle Made Sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get a better night's sleep. And I can tell you, honestly, I have. Now, the silver fusion technology also adds an extra benefit. It means the sheets prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them cleaner and fresher three times longer than normal sheets. There's no more gross odors from your sheets. You don't have to worry about any problems with bacteria. They just last longer. Now, I've been sleeping with these sheets, and they're seriously comfortable without a high price tag of other luxury brands, and they feel as nice, if not nicer, than the bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. <laughs> bacteria clogs your pores, causes breakouts and acne, a whole bunch of problems. Sleep better, sleep clean with Miracle. Now, go try miracle.com slash Fred. That's go to trymiracle.com slash Fred to try Miracle Made Sheets today. Whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use that promo code Fred at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle Made is so confident in their product, it's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So, if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Now, upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Fred and use the code Fred to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Fred. Treat yourself. I love the products. I've been using them myself and sleeping like a baby. 
As you know, I have a big family, and that means there's usually a lot of garbage left over by the end of the week. And frankly, I used to feel really guilty about it. But then I got a Lomi. Now that I have a Lomi, it's changed the way I think about my food waste. Lomi transforms my garbage into gold the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electronic composter that turns food scraps into dirt in under four hours. Now I love composting. <laughs> Plus, it's made cooking at home even more fun. There's no food wrong in my garbage smelling up the kitchen. Thanks to Lomi, I only have to take out the trash like once a week, and it's hassle-free, mess-free, no more leaking bags. So here's something cool, too. I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants, my lawn, and my big garden in my backyard. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane gas. I get to help the environment, and that makes my life easier. All my food scraps, plant clippings, and even those leftovers I forgot in the back of the fridge go back into my garden, help me grow more nutritious food right in my backyard. I learned recently that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. So by reducing the amount of food I send to the landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the planet while also feeding my garden. So whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden like mine, Lomi is perfect for you. So head to Lomi.com slash Fred and use the promo code Fred to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash Fred and use promo code Fred at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode of the show. Hi, I'm Crystal Quaid. People say politics can be tough. I tell them I can handle it. When you come from nothing, you fight the odds your whole life. Growing up here in Missouri, we lived on food stamps and leftovers that my single mom brought home from waitressing. Before school, I'd go to work with her. And after school, I'd go back and do my homework to wait while she finished her double or triple shift. When the dust settled, we found hope on a gravel road. A good factory job for my stepfather and a house we could afford. I became the first in my family to graduate from high school. Paid my way through Missouri State and then started my own family. I committed myself to helping families like the one I grew up in. Now, I'm a leader in the State House, where I've stood up for workers against big corporate special interests. Sponsored a law to stop China and Russia from buying our farmland to squeeze out Missouri farmers and I'm leading the fight to restore our abortion rights. I'm not worried about bullies like Jay Ashcroft, because Missouri has never seen a governor like me before. Ashcroft uses fear to score cheap political points and divide us. I'm running for governor for one simple reason, because parents who are working extra shifts today have children who need to beat the odds tomorrow. Thanks, sponsors. I, I tell you, uh, I love my sponsors, and, and I actually do all use all these products, by the way. So uh, it's it is real. It's the best part about being a, getting sponsors like these is they actually send their stuff. So I sleep on these sheets, and I take the <laughs> I take these wonderful uh, those wonderful supplements, and I'm very blessed with that. Um, you know, a uh, uh, last thing I want to talk about, and it's a lot more serious than we've been talking about, and I'm, I'm kind of couching some outrage right now, and that had to do with, if you guys know, we actually shoot the show here on Wednesday and uh, broadcast on Friday, and as I was heading in today, getting ready for the show, the most shocking thing I've seen, and, and, and I know we, we say this a lot, I've never been so shocked, I've never been so shocked, 
But really, it's hard for me to state just how outrageous what occurred today in our United States Capitol. Now, as we went, you know, I, I lived outside of Washington, D.C. for 14 years. I worked at the Pentagon and I would have to go over to Capitol Hill for official business as a, as a, as a, a spokesman and a public affairs officer. And then I was a veterans advocate for 10 years. So I went to, I went to the Hill a lot. Um, we, we helped pass, uh, worked with Wounded Warrior Project to help pass um, allowing uh, a reproductive care for veterans who were injured in combat and couldn't have kids. So they had IVF treatment and all that was, that was banned uh, until just six years ago. So these really important things, I had the pleasure and the privilege to walk the halls of Congress and to go into our Capitol and stare in awe at the Capitol dome from beneath it, stare in awe at the statues that are there. If you guys know in Statuary Hall, there's two statues from every state of the, the titans of that state. It's, it's, it's an awe-inspiring sight, and I never got tired of it. I never forgot for one moment where I was, the seat of our government. And then the MAGA movement took over and has done nothing but smear it. I mean, they literally smeared human feces in the walls on January 6, 2021. But today, today, Margie Taylor Greene figuratively smeared feces in the walls when she, during an open house committee hearing pulled out nude photos of hunter biden from his alleged laptop these are actual dick pics pulled out on poster board paid for with your tax dollars so she could print these her idiot staff whom i've met printed a private citizen's revenge porn and displayed it in a House hearing in the halls of Congress, our House, this woman from Georgia had the audacity to show nude photos of a private citizen in our Capitol. And I was, it's just outrageous. As, as, our, as, our, as, our, as our guest last week, Eric Swalwell, called it, the GOP has become the, house of non, the, the party of non-consensual nudes. You know, I did something on the way here. I actually have it open here on my computer. I, I looked something up on the way here. Would you believe that the District of Columbia has a revenge porn ordinance? It's illegal. Let me read the third party. F the final portion of the law states, it's co DC Code 22-3054. Hey, any attorneys out there and police, that's DC Code 22-3054. A third party who comes into possession of the sexual image and who publishes it, i.e. shares it with six or more people, like a full hearing room or C-SPAN, can be charged with second-degree unlawful publication of a sexual image. This is a misdemeanor offense punishable by up to 180 days in jail or a fine of $1,000. To prove this offense, government established defendant knowingly published a sexual image that was obtained through a third party, say, a fake laptop. The person depicted was either identified or identifiable, say, a very clear face, of Hunter Biden, the president's son, a private U.S. citizen, and the person de depicted did not consent to disclosure or publication of the image. I'm positive Hunter Biden didn't agree to have his photos printed on poster board. And then the defendant published a sexual image with conscious disregard that the sexual image was obtained as a result of a previous disclosure or publication of the sexual image made with intent to harm the person. Yeah, all four of those pieces are so fucking obvious. 
that if the D, the MPD, you know, the DC Metro Police isn't knocking on goddamn Margie Tara Green's door and hauling her before the district attorney, it's a absolutely outrageous. Because you know, in the same hearing, the same fucking hearing. This woman told these whistleblowers to the IRS that any person who breaks the law should be prosecuted. Yeah, no shit, Marjorie. Any person who breaks the law should be prosecuted. And you broke the law. In our house. Our house. She showed nude images of a private citizen. Look, I know we're all tired of being outraged all the time. I get it. But pick your battles and be fucking outraged. That the Republican Party, under Speaker McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, this is your legacy, Kevin McCarthy. Your legacy is Speaker of the United States House, a, a line of men, titans of America and women, who go back to the founding of this nation. Your legacy, Kevin McCarthy, is you let your little lap dog, your little barking, yipping dog, publish nude photos in the House of Representatives, and we'll do nothing about it. That's Kevin McCarthy's legacy to the United States of America. No, it's not that he had to vote 15 times like a fucking loser. No, Kevin McCarthy's legacy is that his little yapping dog, Marjorie Taylor Greene, published the nude photos of a private citizen in the House of Representatives today. That's how far the House has fallen. That's how far the Republican Party has fallen. And I guarantee you, as we sit here recording this toe, right now, there's a bunch of assholes defending it. There's a bunch of propaganda saying it's no big deal. They're going to convince you it's no big deal. This is how they win. Be outraged. Because you know what? We joke a lot about you could be next, but goddamn, you really could be next. How many women have their lives destroyed by revenge porn and men? How many people have had their lives destroyed by having leaks of their private information? And we were outraged. We were outraged when they did that to Hollywood actresses and others. Be outraged. That a private citizen who holds no public office, unlike Ivanka Trump, unlike Jared fucking Kushner, who held private or public positions in the White House, they are public figures. Hunter Biden's nothing more than the president's son, a recovering addict who went through hell of trauma, hells of trauma, the trauma this young man must have gone through in his life, losing his mother, losing his sister, losing his brother who was his idol. Drug addiction. How many families in America have dealt with drug addiction? And these monstrous people are using it for political gain where they're willing to let this horrible human being publish the private nude photos of a private citizen in our house. So I'm urging you, be pissed. It's okay. I know we're tired of being angry. But you know what happens when you get, when you get, quit, when you get tired, you quit? You're tired, when you get tired of being angry, when you get tired of the fight, they win. They're counting on it. They're begging you to fall off. They're, they're dying for you to give up the fight. Steve Bannett said it best. He says, you flood the field with shit. And that's what they want. They're going to flood the field with shit till you're tired. You're worn out. You can't do the fight anymore. That's their goal. But we can't. Just like when I was at war. I went back my third. I remember sitting in Kuwait. Night before my third Iraq tour. My fourth combat tour. My kids are at home, four kids, my wife. And I'm sitting in Kuwait, and the news came across my phone that a rocket attack on the unit I was going to, uh, a rocket attack from Sadr City hit the gym and killed two people, a gym I'd used in my previous tour. 
literally the night before I went back into Iraq, two men got killed in the gym on the stair stepper, for God's sake. And I was tired. And I was scared. I admit it freely. Uh, you, you get to a point in combat, I think when you've gone to war a few times, where you just kind of go, okay, is my luck going to run out? At what point does your luck run out, right? I mean, I've never gotten blown up. I don't have a Purple Heart. People have tried, uh, you know, <laughs> a couple of close calls, but I've never been blown up or shot. And this third tour, I'm going in, I'm like, man, at, at what point does my luck run out? But you know what I had to do? I was a soldier. I turned my phone off. I said goodbye to my wife and kids. I called my wife and kids, say goodbye one last time. Next morning, I got up the crack of dawn before dawn and boarded a flight to Baghdad. That's what we do. And unfortunately, even private citizens like you and I are now forced to be warriors for our country and warriors for democracy. And the only choice we've got is to fight. And I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we could go back to arguing about baseball. I wish we could go back to arguing about tax policy. We can't because our opponents want to destroy our democracy. The story that came out this week about Trump's big plans to completely remake the federal government in, in his, to give him the power to take over the Federal Trade Commission, to take over the FCC, the communication. Imagine, it sounds, so, it sounds so simple, right? That the FCC will report directly to him. Well, that means he could literally close down this show if you say something wrong. That means he could close down companies like, like Disney because they say something they don't like, they don't say gay bill. That's literally the power they want. We have no choice but keep fighting. And so I hope you'll keep joining us here at the Myers Touch Network as we keep giving you ways to fight. I hope you join me with the Forgotten Democrats. Uh, just text 337, Fred to 33777. That's a way to fight. If you ask me, how can I get, get involved? Help us elect decent people. Because we keep focusing on the top 18, but it's the 150 underneath that are a real problem. You get rid of those 150, half of those guys, guess what? We don't need to worry about those fucking 18 nut jobs. That's how we start. But I wish I could tell you good news that it's going to get better, but it's not because the fight is on. Just like I had to put on my uniform, I had to put on my body armor, I had to board that C-130 and fly my happy ass in the Baghdad International Airport. It's what we have to do. And so I'm glad you're here with the fight with me. I'm glad to have you on our team. I'm so proud to be part of the Myers Touch Network. I hope you'll stay in the fight with us. With that, thank you for joining the show. We've got another great show this week. We'll, we'll uh, a lot of cool stuff going on. We're po posting a lot of videos on the Myers Touch Network. We also post videos, I tell you a secret, they're the On Democracy podcast channel on YouTube. <laughs> you know, it's a secret. <laughs> uh, you can find all of our shows there. You can find us on Apple, on iTunes. You can find us on uh, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Leave us a review. I'd love you to leave us a positive review. I, I, I crave positive feedback. It's who I am. Uh, but that's how people will keep us in the fight is uh, your wonderful support. Uh, subscribe to our Substack is another place. Um, we'll, we'll keep finding ways to keep this fight going, but take a second, watch this video of her showing the nude photos of an American citizen and take a moment to be fucking angry. Um, also, Mr. Shapley. Come on. M Mr. Chairman, um, we're at one minute and 53 seconds over. As long as Ms. Ocasio-Cortez can get equal time, uh, she can uh, keep going. Well, I, I will uh, let, let uh, Ms. Green wrap up at five seconds, and Thanks. then uh, I'll give Mr. Mifume additional time. And then gird yourself with the battle. Take that anger and keep fighting. And with that, Thank you for joining this wonderful show. Thanks for Matt being back in the producer booth, putting up with me. Uh, 
thanks for a great guest, Crystal Quaid. I, I, I just would love, I'd give anything for you guys to go over to crystalquaid.com and chuck her a few dollars so she can put the fight that we deserve here in Missouri and you deserve. With that, we'll see you next week.